a freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. I've got fire! All right, so a lot to do today on a formal Friday here on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports application on your phone, which you can uh, download and listen to us there. Uh, a couple days here before training camp, we'll be talking a lot of football next week. Looking forward to that. And uh, G. Scott will join me here, as he does on Fridays, uh, in about a half hour. But uh, Jerry DePoto on yesterday, and I want to react to some of what we heard from him, as he kind of, I thought, gave us a pretty good window into what they're thinking at the deadline. We heard him use the word creativity. I played you that earlier with Shannon. Here's a little bit more from Jerry on what they might be plotting. We've really exercised a full organizational, I I guess we've tapped into our organizational depth to play to this point. I'm not sure that there's much more there that we can go tap into. We are headed into the trade deadline. We've not really separated ourselves in a meaningful way to, to be aggressive on the buying end, but you know, we are constantly trying to find ways to make ourselves better, and we'll use these next couple of weeks of July to to consider those ways, whether it's whether it's better to to make a push for the twenty three season or to better situate ourselves for twenty four. Okay, so there's a couple of things in there, right? One, he says what we all know to be true. They have yet to separate themselves in a meaningful way to really make it obvious for them to go get a short term rental. I can't argue with that. It's frustrating that they've done that. And I think Jerry will will have to take some of the heat for that. And by the way, he said later, and I can play you the sound, that he takes responsibility for that. I mean, they haven't separated themselves because they haven't hit well enough. And some of that is on the construction. Some of it's on, you know, just what these guys did and underperforming this year. But I can't blame him for not wanting to commit more future resources to try to help himself short term. The team has not shown any reason to justify that, and especially now with Jared Kelnick out potentially for the rest of the year. So that's not really an option. Instead, you hear him mention the words 2024 and beyond. Well, that's a different kind of addition. Do I see them straight selling? No, I can't see that. I can't see them, you know, trading off spare parts to try to get young prospects that could help them in a few years. They don't need that. They've got young prospects that they're pretty happy with. However, if there are ways to get quality players that could help them immediately and in the next year, you could absolutely see how that's something they would consider. And that doesn't just mean young, young players. It could mean veterans who are still have a couple more years left on their contract that somebody else is not looking to keep right now. Maybe a three-team deal. When I hear the word creative, three-team deals may be the best way to get something like that done. But is selling off the table? No. In fact, Jerry says it's very much a possibility. No, and it never has been. You know, I, I think in, in when you've asked that question in the past, I've always tried to answer it as, as honestly as I can. We are always, you know, one foot in camp of buyer and one foot in the camp of the seller, believing that the best way to approach any trade deadline is with the mindset of how do we make the Mariners better? And, and that's a, it's a broad question that can be answered in a lot of ways. How do you make the Mariners better? There are a lot of ways to do it. 
right? They're flawed in a whole bunch of different ways. And we've spent, I don't know how many hours talking through all of those various flaws during the course of this year. How do you make them better? Well, they need to hit better. That much is pretty obvious. But do they need to hit better right now? Or do they need to make sure that next year they're hitting better? And that's why I asked the question to Shannon, excuse me, about the about the corner infielders. Yes, the last couple of days here, Gino Suarez has turned it on, maybe even over the course of the last month. But one of the biggest disappointments on the team this year has been their two guys on the corners. Ty France has not looked even close to what he's been in the past, and until recently, neither did Eugenio. How much do you believe that those guys are still a crucial part of your future? I don't know the answer to it, but you got to figure it out. How much was a setback this year for Cal Raleigh a a a troublesome sign of things to come and how much of it is just a little sophomore slump kind of like Julio Rodriguez we believe I don't know the I don't know the answers to those things but I think those are what Jerry's talking about when he's looking to get better as an organization not just uh not not just you know as a hitting team or not just for the rest of this year I mentioned that he took some of the blame himself here he is uh, you know some of of the struggle that that we have had is simply on me you know i didn't do a good enough job of building a group around that 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 core to to support the bumps and the bruises and and you know that's played out that there's now we are four clean months into the season and and that's been a real you know hole for us throughout the season and and we have to figure out how to get better there and you know i do think that we need to to add to that core we need to extend what that core looks like they do. They need. I, I think that's one of the things that really jumps out to me. They do need to extend the core. They've got it on the pitching side. They need to extend the nucleus of this team on the offensive side of it, on the on the bat side of it, on the position player side of it. And it, it needs to happen soon, which is why I'll play you one more cut here. He's been telling us there's there's not bats coming up anytime soon. No, they, they don't have that in their system right now. Not for a few years. I mean, they've got it kind of down the yeah. road, but not in the triple or double A level. So is that what you need to go out and acquire? Another guy at the level of a prospect like a Kelnick and a Julio and some of those guys were when they were coming up? Yeah, you might need to try to go find something like that in order to get it. As you heard Shannon say, you may need to give away something that you don't want to. A, a position, a player on your major league roster, probably a pitcher, whether that's a starter or a reliever, that you are loath to give up, but feel like you have to because you just simply don't have enough good players. One way or the other, we've learned a lot this uh, the first half of this season, and, and I think it's it goes. There's a there's a public narrative to to our offensive team, and there's the actual, and the actual is. We're about an average major league offense by most advanced metrics, and we need to find a way to be better than average. And you know, in order to do that, we can tap into a lot of different avenues, and uh, some of it's going to come from our system, some of it's going to come from outside, and it has to. And maybe that starts now. So I think a lot of focus on the first part of that, disagreeing with Jerry as to whether or not this is an average offense. We've gone through that a couple of times, but think about the back half of that sound where he says, yeah, there's a bunch of avenues we can go down, and maybe that starts right now. We're about 10 or 11 days here before the trade deadline, about a week and a half. It does need to start now. They do need to figure out what they're going to do to improve this team, whether it's for 2023, 24, or beyond. How do you make the Mariners better? 
That's the question Jerry's going to be dealing with at the deadline, and hopefully he's got a real good answer because what we've watched so far this year has certainly not been good enough. Coming up, we'll give you everything you need to know. G. Scott at 830. It's Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Sorry, a little technical difficulties, not unlike the Mariners at times this year, but we'll give them credit. They got it done yesterday. It's only one win, and they've got to put together a whole bunch more of them in a row, but they needed to at least stop the bleeding, and that's what they did. As usual, when this team needs something, it has to come from the starting pitching, and yesterday it was George Kirby's turn. He sets at the waist, now deals. A check swing. Buxton certainly goes around. 97 mile an hour flames up and into Byron Buxton. Kirby strikes out his seventh batter over four scoreless. He does, and Scott Service loved what he got from his, not really his ace, but his second in command, I guess. Pitching, pitching. Um, George Kirby, what a season um, he's putting together and uh, just continues to impress um, time and again. Uh, he is not afraid. He loves the competition. I think that's what sticks out more than anything else. When you watch him pitch, he just loves to bring it on. You know, I will give you my best effort and uh, he usually ends up on the right side of things. Awesome outing. Yeah, he did uh, really pitch well yesterday. And the bats got it going as well. You got to give credit where it's due. A couple of uh, RBIs for Teoscar Hernandez, who hit a home run. Mike Ford with a two-run shot. They added one more to make it a 5 nothing win. Is it an average offense? Well, I mean, it's games like this is what Jerry's talking about. They get sort of forgotten about because of all the frustrating ones. The fact that, you know, even in this one, they had the starter once again on the hook in the first inning. Bases loaded, and they only score one run, that being said, listen to Teoscar Hernandez, and he says, well, they actually still got something done in the first, even though they only scored one. We wish we, we, we could score more in the first inning, but uh, we put together a good good inning, uh, especially because we make him work, and, and that's one of the biggest things for a team uh, to get the starter out, out, of, out of the game before the fifth inning or, or even in the fifth inning uh, so we can work through the, the, the bullpen, and, and that's what we did. And yeah, they They did. They get the starter out early. That certainly helps. They get back to 500 again. Nine and a half, though, behind Texas. Five and a half back in the wild card. Blue Jays will be in for three, as I mentioned, starting tonight. Do they need to sweep? Maybe. They certainly need to win this series. And, yeah, they might very well need to sweep this Blue Jays team. It'll be Bryce Miller gets the first shot against old friend Yusei Kikuchi. Here's the second thing you need to know. So what'd you do when you heard that Jared Kelnick had broken his foot kicking a water cooler? I hope you made a joke about his team kicking the bucket because I certainly did. I can't help it. I'm a dad. It's a dad joke. That's how it goes. It was a dumb thing to do, clearly. For Kelnick, the kids worked so hard to control his emotions. They obviously got the better of him there. Afterwards, contrite doesn't even begin to, to describe it. I made a mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I let the emotions get the best of me there. I just I feel terrible. Especially for the guys. I just, I let the emotions get the best of me and I just, uh, I let them down. And, uh, 
take full responsibility for it. It's on me. It's, it just can't happen. Yeah, I mean, clearly hard to listen to, and you can feel for him, even while being upset at him. I'm sure that's where Scott Service and the rest of his teammates are. They did vow to pick up the slack for him. At least, hey, Oscar said that afterwards. And Scott said the kid knows what he did. Jared took his frustration a little too far. He came into the dugout, ended up kicking the, the water cooler, felt something right away. We had x-rays taken on his left foot. He has a broken bone on his left foot, so he's going to be out for a significant time. And um, talking to him uh, feels terrible about it. Not just the fact that, you know, he's going to miss time, but when you do things like that, you know, it affects a lot of people. It affects your team and certainly uh, teammates. And, and, you know, he's, you know, you have to learn lessons sometimes in life the hard way. And this is one that hopefully he learns from it and you have to move forward. Yeah, he is going to need to learn from it. This type of stuff can't keep happening to him at the same time. I love the passion, man. I love how much he cares. I love how important it is. I love how competitive he is. Figure out how to harness it. And Jared Kelnick's going to continue to be a force, I think, moving forward. I'm still taking Jared Kelnick. I'm on Team JK. I'm taking the over. I still think the kid's going to have a pretty darn good career when it's all said and done. Here's the third thing you need to know. Oh, Daniel Snyder is out. Ding dong. The witch is gone. Bye bye. See you later. Everyone in Washington should be throwing a party today. Uh, And not just them. The other owners, Roger Goodell, really anybody in the NFL community. Daniel Snyder's been a scourge in this league for years. Erratic behavior, horrible meddling, unacceptable workplace action. And he generally dismantled one of the most proud franchises in the league. He's been a disaster in nearly every way. He does leave with billions of dollars. He made, he bought the team for $800 million. He sells it for $6 million, $6 billion, $6 billion plus. But he will have to give back $60 million. He was fined by the league for sexually harassing a former employee on the team. Open championship continues from Royal Liverpool. Brian Harmon still in the lead. He uh, shot six under today. Just a great, great round to put himself 10 under for the tournament. Tied for second right now, Jordan Spieth, who is five under, along with Tommy Fleetwood. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour. There he is. And I like Tommy, too, by the way. I'm a I'm a Tommy fan. Harmon's okay. Cecily likes to call him hair man. Uh, but he's like a short little lefty guy, which is rare. You don't see very many lefties on tour. There's like five. Like, it's so strange. You know how there's so many left-handed hitters? Like, it's such an advantage. And if you can switch hit or whatever, people tend to kind of want to be able to hit left-handed. There are so few left-handed golfers. Not as few as there are, like, left-handed guitarists, but there are very few left-handed golfers. So, Brian Harmon trying to buck the odds and see if he can uh, win the Open Championship. It's been fun. I really am enjoying this course. Is talking about it with Brady Anderson earlier. I mean, just crazy bunkers that are essentially, as he said, one-stroke penalties because sometimes you've got to putt backwards just to give yourself enough space to get up and over the lip and then onto the green. The greens have crazy undulations, and you can putt from off the green. I just, I love Lynx golf. I love watching. I wish we had more courses like that here in America for the PGA Tour to be on. Oh, wait a minute. We have one right here in Seattle. Seattle that they keep refusing to come back to that being Chambers Bay. The home course kind of has some of that as well, but this is Chambers style golf. It is. That's what I've been saying. Mora, you know it to be true. <laughs> of course you've been saying it. Every time I watch golf like this, I love it. I think Americans love it in general. 
it's not the same as what you see every week with the sort of, you know, target golf that's all over the PGA Tour and all the courses have a lot of similarity. This one's different. So let's go to the one course here right in Seattle, which has absolutely shown up for big events like this. And please, please bring a regular event or at the very least another major back to University Place, back to Chambers Bay, because I just really enjoy watching this type of stuff. All right. Coming up next, our guy G. Scott will join me for uh, what is usually a raucous conversation. We'll see what's uh, going on with G today. And, oh, you know what I got to play for him? Got to play for him the uh, KJ sound and the Golden Tate sound. What does G think about Golden Tate calling out Russ? Oh, we got to ask him next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710salesports.com. This is Brock and Saul. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, hopefully G won't be too upset. His music is uh, not playing right now. He needs to give the people what they want. But he's not in studio. He's on the phone, so maybe he'll uh, give us a little bit of a uh, reprieve on the uh, old music thing. Don't forget, see, uh, Seattle Sports is your home for the Seahawks and your only home. Your only home for training camp coverage. Starting on Wednesday, the station will be broadcasting live from the sidelines, taking you behind the scenes as the Seahawks get ready for the 2023 campaign. Don't miss a minute with the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Going to be an interesting one. And yes, uh, there was some great sound from KJ Wright and Golden Tate earlier this week as they uh, spoke on KJ's KJ All Day podcast. G. Scott's a part of that. And I think he was actually there for this interview. But Golden Tate kind of went through it and said, yeah, I am mad at Russell Wilson for the way he handled the rumors that had come out about him and Russell's wife. Which was completely... Completely not true. In fact, my wife now and Ashton were best friends and still are really good friends. In fact, Ashton came to our wedding. Russell and I had had conversations about his future in regards to that. And so, like when it when I heard that, I thought it was kind of I was like, oh, that's kind of that's creative and kind of funny. But it picked up steam, and I ne- I felt like I was never defended properly. It, it kind of made me angry because. Now, like everyone's just coming at me completely sideways and, you know, I'm kind of and I was bitter for years, y'all, years. I'm talking, it took me a few PAOs to, to really get through it. And, I, you know, finally turn the corner. It's every time I I saw Russell, I just I would I'd be so angry because I was like, man, how, like, how would you let this happen? Like, I used to I used to let you come over to you know, my in-laws house and like for your, for your birthday and my birthday, and we would cook home cook, cook meals for you and do this and that. And then you don't come to bat for me when something like this comes up. Yeah, it's quite a statement from Golden Tate and KJ kind of responds to it later and says, yeah, Russ owes a lot of people apologies. He's going to owe some people phone calls when the uh, time in the league is finally done. Gee, you were uh, pretty aware of all of this. What did you make of what Golden said and then what KJ followed it up with? Man, I was just sitting there just like, ooh, we, I can't believe this is being said. Ooh, we, this has been years in the making. Oh, my goodness. Ooh, KJ, ooh, did you just say that? I was just, look, I was innocent. I was in this sitting there. And what I really thought was, and I thought, wow, this was the first time that I had uh, had an opportunity to, I mean, I've known Golden 
since he was a rookie. Uh, I've talked to him uh, many, many times since he's left here. And I've had, I think the last conversation I had with him was last year. And the wild part was it was really the first time that I had ever heard him answer it, right? Like in those discussions and conversations that we had, it was always assumed, right? Like it was always assumed that he didn't do it. So it was never a time that we were on the phone and I'm questioning them like, hey, Golden, hey, man, so uh, did you did you do what I think? Because that was just the thing. It was just a – it was one of those things that – has blown up and everybody has had this opinion that that has happened. And I'd say that the vast majority of people assumed that that happened, mm. right? They assumed that that happened because, well, of course it happened because there was a divorce, right? There was an actual uh, thing that you can point to that happened. So you think, oh, it must have happened. And the result was a divorce. So the question is, if it didn't happen, then what's the next question? Right. Why? <laughs> right. Why? Either, it, it, the next question, uh, Mike, could be either why was there a divorce or then why was this rumor out there for so long? Mm -hmm. One of those two questions have to be the next question. And the question is, how long will that take to be answered? Will that be another 10, 15, 20 years or Will people just say, hmm, let's just say, let's just make it go away. Do you have a theory? Do you have a theory on why it was out there? Um, I don't. I, I don't have that. I don't have that theory, but I do think it was a convenient, right? It was a convenient time for it to be out there. Um, but for someone to never um, say anything definitively about that, and, and, and I want to be fair. I want to be fair to Russell. Russell has never been the one to come out there and say it in the media. He's never come out and say this or that. All of this was put out there. And again, there's never was Russell that put it out there. So someone other than Russell put out there that Golden Tate slept with Russell's wife, which is why Russell got a divorce. Golden is now saying that's not true. It's never been true. And he's mad that Russell never defended him at any point. That's sort of the story for anybody who's not following along with what is really quite the soap opera. Why do you think that, that if, if what Golden is saying is true, why do you think Russell wouldn't have ever spoken to it and, and, and knocked down those rumors? Again, I don't know that, but here's my theory. Here's my assumption. I think that sometimes, um, whether you're an athlete or someone with a platform or someone that is a celebrity out there, I think sometimes you feel, right, that you don't have to address certain rumors or certain opinions that are out there, right? And I think maybe there's this it'll probably go away type thing. So let's just take this situation. Again, Russell never himself mm -hmm. put it out there, but it's out there. So it's almost like, well, technically Russell didn't say anything. So technically Russell doesn't have to address it. And so maybe over time, maybe it goes away. 
Yeah, maybe no, Russ feels as if, hey, addressing it gives it more credibility that, yes, there are some people that know this rumor, but it's not nearly as widespread as people might think. And so he thinks to himself, there's no real upside in doing it. All it does is give it some legitimacy in some ways. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me you know, I know I'm on your show, but uh, I like to kind of ask you a question. What did you think about this rumor over the last? almost 10 years? Well, it's a good question. Um, I had heard the rumor, like most people, certainly in the media. I had also heard what Golden said yesterday, that it was not true and that Golden was upset about it and that that was more the source of his friction with Russell, that he was upset he hadn't been defended. So I've sort of heard both sides of this for, for years now, and I'm probably not the only one in the media. I'm not like bragging about that. I think that's probably fairly standard for those of us who do this job. And Brock and I have kind of talked talked about that before there's a lot of things you sort of hear and know in this gig that you can't always talk about but you kind of know it behind the scenes so i have always sort of wondered what the real truth was there i i I think you you ask a good question how in the world does this um, rumor get started what is the impetus for that who what did it come from somebody involved was there a reason for russell or golden or one of their wives or somebody to start a rumor like this i don't know maybe Right. I mean, Again, you know, Mike, I, I, I don't I don't speak for Russ. I don't know what Russ thinks or anybody on his camp and his team. I don't know what they think. But let me just put a situation out there and let me and let me say this. Hypothetically, hypothetically, you are today my coworker. Right. For and now. Let's just say. <laughs> well, damn. Well, well, damn. Well, who knows what tomorrow will bring, G? Today we're coworkers. Who knows what we'll hey, find out tomorrow? You, you, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> who knows what tomorrow brings? Um, but 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 let me just be serious for a second. Yeah. Let's just say that I don't like you, Mike. So mm-hmm. let's say you are you're my coworker. I don't like you. But then there is this rumor that you messed around with my wife, hypothetically. Okay. Right? And so it's, it, it's out there. I didn't put it out there, but it got out there. And even if I, even if I didn't like you personally, it had nothing to do with it. I would, me personally, would come out one year, two years, three years, almost 10 years. And I would come out and definitively say, hey, 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 that did not happen. Mike Salk did not do that. Or it would be, hey, I stand on exactly what was said. That's what happened. But when you leave it to the entire world to just assume and nobody addresses, this is how things start to build up and start people start to build stories and have theories and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad for this for this story. I'm glad Golden just came and said and, and by the way, there's a lot of things that he's just like at this point in his life that he even admits. He's like, I did a lot of dumb things when I played the game of football earlier on in, in my career. But he lets the world know this right here, I didn't do. Right, this. I did other dumb stuff, just not this dumb thing. Right, and I respect that part of it, and I just, I just hope for Golden. Considering, oh, by the way, it's not just people in the media saying stuff to Golden. This is Golden's family when they go out. This is Golden's wife when they're at games and all those things. All of this harassment, these things being said on said to them. 
I don't know what that would be like, mm. Mike. I don't I don't know what that would be like to walk around and I mean, yeah, I've you know, there's been certain rumors and opinions that they come out there, but that's been small compared to something like this. Yeah, as somebody and, who has seen things written about them that are not always 100% true, I can understand some of the frustration that goes with keeping your mouth shut while uh, other people tell their story of your story that you choose not to tell. I can absolutely yeah. understand that. That is very very frustrating. But also Russell and Golden weren't the only people involved here. I mean, you know, you got other folks. Anyway, we'll move past it. It is an interesting soap opera. It probably doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of football moving forward or Russell's success or anything like that. But I will be curious if KJ's right, if Russ does one day find it uh, meaningful to apologize to some folks that probably deserve it. Um, Let's dig in some actual football. Training camp starts Wednesday, man. So crazy. But uh, the berm last year, we talked about it a little bit. It was not too wild. There were not as many people. It was quieter. We didn't have the running of the 12s at the beginning as everybody stormed in to get the best spot. I think some of that was, you know, a little bit of trepidation in the post-Russ era. Some people that were upset that Pete Carroll was still here instead of Russ. What do you think the berm is like this year? Kevin Costner said in the movie Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. In the city of Seattle, there's this thing called, if you win, they will come. And so the reason why I bring that up is because you know this, Mike. The city of Seattle, the Seattle area is very unique than other places in the country. Now, I'm not trying to just, like, talk dirty on these other places in the country. But in Seattle, we got a lot of stuff to do. You can go camping. You can go hiking. You can go do this. You can go do that. They are not. People in Seattle are not locked into sports like that. And if you're not winning, they're not really, uh, you know what, we might get to do something else. And I think last year what happened was is I think there was kind of like this this narrative, right? Because people have been told, man, this is funny. People have been told like, oh, John and Pete were the problem. Mm -hmm. And, oh, Russell's not there anymore. And, oh, they're not going to be good. And, oh, Geno Smith is not that great. This team is not going to be that good. So, oh, the national experts even told us that the Seahawks would be one of the bottom teams in the NFL. So what ends up happening is the excitement just wasn't there. There's kind of like this, well, maybe, and it wasn't until week one. Week one, I told you about that game, and people were, you know, before the game, pregame, like, hey, what do you think? And, oh, I don't know. And there was excitement and kind of nervousness. It's almost like me walking down the aisle to get married again. It's like, oh, again? Dude, I don't know. Here we go. You know what I mean? You would think by the fifth time you'd kind of have your nerves under control, but apparently not. <laughs> no, it's still the same thing. And and <laughs> then, and then, pow. We, they get the season like that. Mm-hmm. And so as far as the berm this year, oh, you better be ready, Freddie. It's going down like four flat tires there in Renton. <laughs> and wait a minute. And you don't, you don't think 
you don't think that the uh, the unveiling of the new, the, uh, excuse me, the old school unis coming out? Well, I was going to ask you about those. I had a question for you about those. I was thinking about you in particular. I haven't seen you all week, which has been a, a huge bummer for me, obviously. But I was thinking about you when uh, when the new throwbacks came out, and Brock and I were lucky enough to receive a couple. As, Y'all look good. Thank look you. Good. Uh, they look pretty clean. I'm not going to lie. What, mm. G? What are the perfect compliments or accessories to wear with these new throwbacks? What are the right shoes? What kind of pants or shorts do you wear? Like, what else goes with them? I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that because there is, there is a such thing as too much, right? So you're gonna, you're either gonna have your jersey or your jacket, your throwbacks. You know what I'm saying? Your hats. Ooh, we gonna be the throwback. But what you don't want to do, you don't want to matchy-match, right? You don't want to take your shoes and have your shoes match your jacket. That's too much. So you can't go with old-school Seahawks shoes or anything. Right, right, right. Or or because somebody's right now like, oh, hold on, I got some 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 Air Maxes that are matched. Okay, it's cool. Just make sure the top does is not too much. But so when it comes to when it comes to that, Mike. I don't know, man. You can just you can do a, either a solid blue that matches, or you can just do a clean white shoe. But the bottom line is, is you don't want to take away from the, the, the firepower that you have. Right. So if it's that jersey, if it's that jacket, you know, if it's that jersey hat, whatever the case might be, absolutely outstanding. I know one thing: if that jersey makes you look good, which it did. <laughs> It did. You know what I mean? I saw you and Brock. You guys were on the sky. Uh-huh, you know, even yeah. though you haven't seen me, uh-huh. I see you, right? You looked really good in it. Thank I mean, you. Wow. how did you feel? How did you feel in it? I felt a couple inches taller. I'm not going to lie. I put that jersey on, and I, I felt like I was back in the 90s and that I was taller. It was a pretty great feeling. I'm not, yeah, it was great, yes. It was great to right. think about being in high school and, you know, middle school with acne and a mullet yeah. and all the various uh, fun things that you get to go through in middle school. That was awesome. I love that. Here's what's, here's what's cool. Here's what's really cool about it, right? So, um, first, I think this does a lot for – all of the men and women and kids and family, all you guys that were able to watch Seahawks in the kingdom. I'd imagine you guys are probably head over heels about this. All you folks that text in and like, I've been a fan since the seventies and in the eighties and all that stuff. I'm sure you're super excited, but here's what's pretty cool though. I was talking to Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, the other day and I was like, Ooh, you look clean. I said, you look good. And he said, you like that? Oh, you like that? I said, man, you look good. He said, I can't wait to wear these. Oh, they clean. So I thought what was cool about that is here is this rookie. Here is this, you know, the Gen Z population that we give a hard time to. This dude is super pumped and excited about those throwbacks. So it lets you know, Mike, that everybody that's a Seahawks fan or everybody that's a current Seahawks player or a current uh, Seahawks legend, some of the old guys, that they are excited about this. Everybody is coming together about that uniform. Mm, good to know. Good to know. All right. Well, so the uniform is uh, going to bring unity. The berm is going to bring excitement. Russell is okay. one day maybe going to apologize. Uh, okay. what, else, what else do I have to go over with you? Oh, hey, Daniel Snyder's gone. We've been talking about that over the course of the morning. The worst owner, I don't know about the worst owner in sports, but certainly the worst owner in the NFL for years and years, finally gone. 
what would mm. what would you be like as the owner of a sports team? Well, before I tell you how fantastic I'd be, um, let me first say this: Daniel Daniel Snyder being gone was bittersweet. I know everybody is celebrating like, yes, finally the Washington football team is back, or if they're going to bring back their name, oh, whatever the case might be. But I was a little upset. And here's why I was upset, because this dude is walking away, and he's crying, and he's, oh, oh, I had to give up the team. And he's got $6 billion, Mike. He had a win yesterday, right? Don't you think? He had a win. Now, what would I do as owner? You know what I would do? I think the biggest thing that I would do, especially in that town, I would do what kind of Green Bay has has done a little bit. I'd somehow, some way, figure out a way to give like 1% ownership to um, the the city or the town that I'm at to where everybody can get some type of ownership. Uh, Something to like team. bring back a level of, of pride to a franchise that has lost it. Right, right. Some like, community buy-in. Mm-hmm. I would, I would give them. Um, okay, I know this sound. I, I, look, I'm probably gonna get in trouble because you just said a second ago, like we we're co we're coworkers now. Who knows what happens in the future? <laughs> oh, and I know this is this is 2023, and what you might say might go viral. You get in trouble. I apologize. Here we go. I'm gonna say it right now. I would go and have some conversations and see. Hey. Uh, can we see about this name, this whole Washington uh, Commanders, the Washington football team, uh, this ain't working. It ain't working. There is no connection. Let me figure out how we can make some kind of deal with the name, and maybe i take a little percent off there and take money and go towards here so we can get a name going. So not going back to their original name, but not what they're using right now either. Well, if you want to help me clean up what I'm saying, I guess I guess you're right. Well, but, I'm assu- uh, well I just want to make sure you're not saying they go back to being the Redskins. No, I'm not saying. Okay. That. Well, I want to make sure. Hey, there's a lot of different opinions out there on that, and I had a guess yeah. as to what you thought about it, but you know, you want to want to make sure, you know, clarify for the people. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? But that name, I agree with you. Off the table, right? That name. I just want to make sure that name is is it 100 percent, thousand percent off the table. It, I'm asking. I would assume so, and I think the Commanders is a terrible name. I can never even remember it, and I actually didn't even mind Washington Football Team. Like I thought that was kind of a, I thought that was kind of a like cool thing to be the Washington Football Team. Like it's it's almost like the Penn State uniforms that we've talked about before. Like it's so simple that it's kind of just clean and different. Is the is uh is a Avengers is that taken? I don't know of any Avengers other than, you know, the movies. Do you think you'd have to pay, right. like, royalty rights or something? Look, man. They're NFL not going to do that. I'll tell you that right now. They're not going to pay royalties. That's for sure. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, like I said, uh, again, so wait. But real quick, I just want to make sure yeah. I'm asking you. Is it 100% that the first name is off the table? I'm just asking. For the new owner? Yeah. I mean, I... Don't know. How do I know? I don't know the guy. What's his name? Josh Harris? I don't know anything about uh, Josh Magic Harris. Johnson is also a part owner in the new Right. Uh, and, and, and so, and I wonder, are they going to have Magic Johnson do a lot of the, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's always ownership groups, but are they going to have Magic Johnson front and center on a lot of things? What do you think? Mike? I don't know. 
know. I mean, magic is certainly likable. I mean, right? I mean, nobody's got charisma quite like magic. On the other hand, like, he doesn't have a connection to Washington, D.C. Like, it's one thing when he's part of the ownership group with the Dodgers. Like, okay, he's Magic Johnson in L.A. Like, not that the name magic doesn't mean anything in, in D.C., but I don't know. I don't know whether it carries the same weight. That's why, that's why I love you, man. That's why, that is why I love you, because you say what people are thinking. You say the quiet part out loud, and I was wanted to get to that. Oh. I don't care what nobody say. Magic Johnson being the owner of a Washington team out there is the equivalent of putting ketchup on ribs. <laughs> you can do it. Just don't sound right. <laughs> I don't care what nobody say. Magic, like, I have Magic. You're cool on the West Coast, and oh, I was cool with you being a part of the L.A. Dodgers. Right. That's cool, but... The Washington team? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Magic should just view this as a money-making venture and just kind of go from there. Keep his keep his rep where it's at right in the West Coast. And I say that as a huge Magic fan. I mean, I, that guy made me a Laker fan in Boston in the 80s. Yeah. That's how much yeah. I love Magic. Gee, we got to run. Thanks, buddy. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in person next week. All right, brother. See ya. There you go. There is the great G. Scott. And you can listen to G and Ursula every day on our sister station, 97.3 Cairo News Radio. They go from 9 until noon. Okay, uh, we're getting ready for training camp. We've got uh, open phone lines in the 9 o'clock hour. We do that every Friday at 9.30. I'm going to try to lick my wounds after I saw Jordan Spieth just put down a bogey to fall back to four under. But don't worry, he's still in third place, so I'm not too worried about it. Uh, we'll come right back with a little game that Moore and I have been working on. We'll do it next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.